Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Tennis Unfiltered. I say welcome back. This is the first in this series of uh, Grand Slam Diaries, of which so many of you become so fond. It's the end of day one at Roland Garros. Uh, it's before midnight, which is a positive for me. I'd like to apologise in advance for the various background noises. They include a party on the sixth floor opposite me in the 16th arrondissement, which is where I'm staying in Paris. The mopeds on the street, which is four floors below me. And perhaps the odd bit of wind noise I'm recording on the balcony so as not to disturb my uh, very, very long-suffering flatmate for the week. And we've only lived here for four days, which is... Eleanor of the Press Association. Here's one of the many mopeds you can hear going by. I believe that's a Domino's one, which even in France dominates the uh, the takeaway market. So I hope that's bearable for you. It'll just be me tonight for, I don't know, could be 10 minutes, could be 20 minutes. Depends on exactly how carried away I get with looking back at what happened today, the first day, Sunday at Roland Garros, and looking ahead a little bit to Monday as well. Um, the day started off with drama as we kind of expected it to because the luck of the draw threw up Arena Sabalenka of Belarus against Marta Kostyuk of Ukraine. And we, we kind of knew that this would create fireworks. Anyone who has been following things will know that Marta Kostyuk has been the most, I would say the most vocal of the Ukrainian players, speaking out against the war for a start, but also quite... Um, plainly saying that she doesn't think Russians or Belarusians should be playing on the tour at all and that's a a voice, a thought that's been echoed across other sports and by some Ukrainian tennis players as well um, and it, it's kind of been a perennial question over the last 15 months since war broke out this is the first sort of repeat Grand Slam we've had since the illegal invasion of Ukraine by Russia 
which was, as we all know, uh, partly facilitated by their allies in Belarus as well. And for, if you've been living under a rock or maybe you're just new to tennis, the result of that was that Russians and Belarusians are forced to compete as neutrals on the tour. Their names cannot include the name of their country next to it. They can't fly their flags. And for one tournament, or I should say one swing really, uh, the Brits banned them from all grass court events. That has been lifted and we are now where we are. It doesn't mean people aren't still talking about it and it's one of the more remarkable press conferences that I've ever been in today when... Um, well, maybe I should tell you about the match first. First of all, it was a pretty good tennis match for the first 45 minutes. Kostyuk broke first, took a 3-2 lead. Savalenka broke straight back and... Then she kind of ran away with it. Um, she ended up winning 6-3, 6-2, I think it was, in the end. Uh, she struck the ball really well. Uh, that music's very loud across the road. I wonder how that's going to sound on podcast. Well, you've got some background noise now. Um, sort of, I think it's French rap. Couldn't tell you the rapper. Anyway. Uh, yeah, it was a good tennis match. Uh, Savalenka struck the ball really clean. She was definitely nervous to start with. There was no pre-match photo, for example, which there usually would be on Chatrier. That was, um, I think, presumably at the request of Kostyuk, but maybe just kind of obvious that she wouldn't want to take that photo and neither of them really seemed to expect it. And um, afterwards, there was no post-match handshake. Marta Kostyuk has not been shaking the hands of Russian or Belarusian players for the quite simple reason that that photo would go around the world and very much around the the Russo world very quickly and, you know, could be used in ways that she didn't want it to be. I don't think it's necessary... Well, I was going to say I don't think it's necessarily a personal animus, but she said afterwards that it's not that she hates Irina Savalenka, it's that she doesn't respect her. And that came even after... One of the more remarkable press conferences that I have sat in in my relatively short career. I've been covering tennis 10 years, but there are lots of people who've been covering it four or five times longer. And sitting, listening to Irina Sabalenka talk, it was it was really remarkable. She she was asked questions about... So, so when Kostyuk walked off after not shaking her hand, she was booed by the Chatrier crowd. The Chatrier crowd, as anyone who's ever been here will know, boo almost anything. Last year I saw someone booed for fainting courtside. They weren't booed when they fainted, but once they got up and walked out with help, they were booed. Which made me think they were booed for the temerity of not having had the decency to die or something. So when Kostya got booed off for not shaking her hand, she was booed when she didn't, and then booed off. And she Sablenka thought initially that they were booing her. She even asked the umpire and then her box, like, are they doing it for me? She eventually realised they weren't. And, uh, yeah, Sabalenka's press conference, she was obviously asked about that. She said that Kostyuk didn't deserve the booing. She also said that she wasn't surprised. She knew it would happen, the, the, the non-handshake, that is. Um, but she was a bit... Maybe the public, she thought, might be surprised by the non-handshake. They thought it was a disrespect to, to her as a player, which is why she thought they might have been booing. But then she was asked a lengthy question by a Ukrainian journalist who I've not seen before. Um, I imagine lots of Ukrainian journalists don't have a lot of funding at the moment or have other things to report on. But um, And I don't know her name. I didn't get a chance to speak to her. And, and to a certain extent, I didn't want to report her name because I thought it might 
maybe put her in the firing line. But I'll tell you, she was a woman and she was a Ukrainian journalist. And she asked an impassioned question to Arena Savlenka. I won't read you it in full. I have tweeted it. Um, but the the kind of the real salient point was, and I quote here, the only thing they want to know from you is either you condemn the war or you support the war. Um, and Sabalenka sort of almost tried to interrupt her once or twice, but just because she was so desperate to answer it, I think, actually. Um, and she said a lot of things, but... And there was also a question about why you use the word hate and why she thinks Ukrainian players hate her, and she kind of argue with the premise of that and says, no, I answer questions, and I said, if they do hate me, then this, that, and the other, which I think is reasonable. The other thing she said... About the war situation, I said it many, many times. Nobody in this world, Russian athletes or Belarusian athletes, support the war. Nobody. How can we support the war? Nobody, normal people, will never support it. Why we have to go loud and say things like that? This is like one plus one, it's two. Of course we don't support the war. If it could affect anyhow the war, if I could stop it, we would do it. But unfortunately, it's not in our hands. And I thought that was, I mean, it wasn't just what she was saying. It was what she was saying, obviously. But also the way she was saying it was incredibly powerful. And she said it with, I think, with passion and with maybe a little tinge of frustration. She's probably sick of talking about this. She could be world number one by the end of this tournament. And here she is still talking about a war that she, she is not fighting, in fairness. But also with a kind of uh, an upset in her voice. And I think that's quite reasonable. And I, I think, you know war is a bad thing um so that's kind of how i took it and then marta kostrick came into press um about 45 minutes later uh and was asked lots of questions as you can imagine i read her uh arena sabalenka's quote um specifically the bit that i've just read to you and marta's immediate reaction was you know she never says that she personally doesn't support the war and I feel like journalists should, because you guys do a lot of lightning things and asking people their opinions on certain things, I feel like you should change the questions that you ask these athletes because the war is already there. And I feel like you should ask these players who they would want to win the war because if you ask this question, I'm not so sure these people will say that they want Ukraine to win. She says she knows people on the tour who support the Russian war, um... I certainly have heard tell of coaches very publicly, spe specific coaches, very publicly talking about how much they worship Putin or agree with Putin and think he's doing the right thing. I don't know specifically about players, although I could certainly make some guesses. Um, of the booing, she said, uh, I want to see people react to it in 10 years when the war is over. I think they will not feel really nice about what they did she said those people should feel she's embarrassed for them for what they did um i i don't really know where i stand on this specifically i don't think people should be booing marta kostrick for taking a political stand um i think what arena sabalenka said today is pretty brave i think it's pretty hard for her who still has lots of connections in belarus um and i know people will say things about her her partner for example and his connections but from her perspective, specifically, it's very difficult for her to stand up and say, I think Alexander Lusashenko is a bloodthirsty dictator and we should, you know, all be rebelling against him. 
anyone who followed the most recent election in Belarus knows what happens when you challenge Alexander Lushenko, who I think use the word election very loosely. He's a dictator, and you know he silences challenges very quickly. And obviously, the same happens in Russia. So it's very hard indeed to expect her to to be quite so outspoken. Um, but equally, I think what she said today was something I would admire lots of other players for saying. And yeah, I think it's it's pretty strong. Um, it's the first time she said she does not support the war. She has previously said she does not support war, which I think is something that um, kind of became almost like a propaganda, sort of whataboutery propaganda line. I'm not saying that's why she said it, but in the first year of the war, you know, there was a lot of, well, what about Yemen or what about South Sudan? You know, stop all war. And of course, to, to an extent, if you're a Russian propagandist, and you have invaded part of Ukraine, and you say, okay, let's stop war now, but, you know, we'll obviously stay where we are. You know, those are the borders. And yeah, of course, once you've once you've occupied somewhere, you would love to stop war, because then, then it's yours. Um, I'm not an expert on any of this, but I, I can see why that's an effective piece of propaganda. So that was the story that dominated the, the first half of the day, and I'm sure will dominate discussions tomorrow. It's certainly the most engaged thing I've seen on social media. Um, but we kind of thought it would and there's a sort of inevitability to that maybe a self-fulfilling prophecy i'm sure some people will say we drummed up the story out of nothing but i assure you it's not nothing and i think the reaction shows that people are extremely passionate about it and that's that's what we're supposed to be doing um in terms of results on the court today a couple of seeds lost magdalenetti went down in three sets to leila fernandez which is a big win for her because i think she would have dropped out of the I think she would have dropped out of the top 100 had she not won that match. So a really big win for the US Open finalist. Took her more than two hours to get through that um, against a very tricky opponent, someone who knocked out Ons Jabor here last year, who made the semis in the Australian Open as well. And the other one, which I'm delighted to say is a, an upset I picked because I put Karolina Makova in my fantasy team and she beat Maria Sakkari in um, two sets. Two, two hours and nine minutes for two sets as well. It was pretty... Uh, pretty hefty match in that sense um some long points and not even really some long games just just really long points to be honest there, were, there weren't that many games that went like multiple juices in fact i don't think there was a single game in the first set that went multiple juices at least maybe a couple in the second set but yeah it was pretty hard work out there for, for both women and, and makova came through it a nightmare first round draw for sakari um who uh, i feel bad saying it but I do think she's she's got a bit of a mental block in some of the grand slams at the moment and she needs to find a way around that so yeah uh, the other seed who went out today was uh Shang Shui uh, who was beaten 6-1 6-1 by Magdalena Fresh she lost last week 6 love 6 love so my guess there is that Zhang is not altogether well um she, she she did answer one question in English because it was a Chinese press conference mostly, but the moderator asked a question. She said, yeah, not really good for me, not a good result, but if I want to play good on clay, I have a long way to go. I need to improve things, but I didn't play so much on clay. I couldn't move well, so that's the most important thing. So, yeah, now it's to try and play better on doubles and mixed because she's playing both the doubles draws. So we'll see if it's really just that she can't move and play singles at the moment or or what. I don't know. Bit of a bit of a mystery there I would suggest um, and we'll just have to see 
exactly how good her doubles form turns out to be. It's not like she can't play on clay. Like, she made the fourth round here three years ago. So, um, it, you know, she is capable of doing it. But, uh, yeah, not, not this time around. Uh, in the men's draw, we lost Dan Evans, uh, who was beaten in straight sets by Tanasi Kokonakis. He lost the first set, but then he was 4-1 up in the second and then serving at 4-2. I think he was 30, love, 4-2. In fact, yeah, I'm sure he was. And he got called on second serve, foot faulted for crossing the centre line uh, by the judge at the far end, because of course there's no centre line judge at his end during his service game. And he was pretty put out by that. He lost four points in a row to have his serve broken. He then lost the set, um, and then lost the third set as well. And, and he admitted it, it did throw him off his rhythm. He also didn't blame. He, he said it was a wrong decision and. You know, he said line judges are never held responsible. He's pretty annoyed about that. But he also admitted that he um, he played pretty badly. Just excuse me, I'll have a sip of drink. Ugh, talking on your own. Takes it out of you. Um, and yeah, he, he was pretty frank, to be honest, afterwards. Uh, he wasn't happy with, with his own performance. And, and it's been a tough year. I think he's 8 and... 8 and 13 in 2023. And, and he was pretty frank when he said that he doesn't quite know what's wrong with his game at the moment but he definitely needs to find something his coach is going to go home to Argentina for a bit so he's going to go and start training on the grass on his own I'm, I'm sure he'll have someone maybe come and spend some time with him I don't know like a Mark Hilton or someone like that who he knows very well from the old days and uh, and then you know he'll go and do Nottingham and, and then Queens I'm not sure he may play Eastbourne as well and then Wimbledon, where he lost first round last year, and you know he will desperately not want to do that again because grass is a surface he thinks he really excels on. Um, other kind of notable results: Lucas Puy made it through. He had a good draw, lucky loser, Roddy enough. But great to see, um, you know, a guy who's been through a lot over the years recently make it through to the second round of his home slam. John Isner lost in five. Um, Jason Kubler won in five. Uh, Stefan Sitspas very nearly went to five and saved set points in the fourth set but um in fact he saved i think four set points in the fourth set he was maybe six three down in the breaker uh but found a way to beat yuri vesely the uh big serving check um and he was actually pretty downbeat on his own form afterwards said he was pretty out of rhythm and wasn't happy with how he played uh, the same could be said of karen hatchinoff who needed five sets to beat constant less gen and Hubert Hercatch, who, as I slightly predicted, struggled past David Goffin. Uh, I spoke to a Polish journalist afterwards who said he was still learning on this surface, and I, I think that's definitely true. Right, quick look ahead to uh, Monday, because I'm getting tired. We've got Carlos Alcaraz up against... Uh, who on earth is he playing? I've forgotten. Oh, yeah, Flavio Cobolli, the qualifier. I don't think there's much chance of him giving him... Unless Alcaraz is really hurt or whatever, uh, giving him much bother. Similarly, Novak Djokovic is playing Alexander Kovacevic, who is an American who speaks Serbian because his father is Serbian, his mother's Bosnian. Grew up in New York. He, there's a photo of him with Djokovic at the age of seven, which is lovely. Uh, but he's lost his format, last four matches on clay at challenger level, so I don't think he's going to be troubling one of the all-time greats. Uh, what else have we got tomorrow? We've got Cam Norrie up first. Uh, so it's a 10 a.m. start UK time. Uh, he's up against Benoit Pair again. I think that'll be fairly 
straightforward, you would expect so anyway. And we'll also see Jack Draper in action at the French Open main draw for the first time on Monday. He plays Thomas Martin Echeverri of Argentina, which, uh, according to everyone in British tennis, means he'll be good on clay. Uh, and he played some good tennis against Djokovic uh, earlier this year as well. So he's obviously someone who can play a bit. Uh, in my newsletter for the eye, I've picked Fabio Fanini versus Felix Auger-Aliassime as the... The one to watch of the day, which, well, they're both entertaining for different reasons, so about 11.30 UK time, go give that a watch. Uh, if I have to pick an upset, and I do because that's part of my newsletter duties, then I'm going either Filip Kronovic to beat Francis TFO or more likely, I think, Brandon Nakashima to beat uh, Denis Shapovalov, which I think that'll be a good match if he, you know, if he pushes him as well because he's a good player and Shabalov is good to watch even when he's losing so there are your picks for tomorrow that's uh, everything I've got and I will hopefully speak to you on Monday Sports Social Podcast Network It is Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.